Welcome to the Hansa Classic live chat presented by Jock Market. Come on in. Welcome, welcome. The news of Daniel Berger's withdrawal just dropped about, I don't know, eight minutes or so ago. So as I was preparing to talk through all of the options, what we can and cannot do with Daniel Berger, um, that goes out the window. Don't have to worry about it anymore. At least he withdrew early. Uh, we will uh, cover that, how that's going to affect the top of the board. Obviously, things are going to shake out over the course of the next 18 hours or so until we get to lock, something like that, maybe 16 hours. Um, come on in. This is presented by Jock Market. There will be a second uh, live chat tonight. Joe Idoni and myself doing uh, the Jock Market Power Hour. That's Stock Market DFS. It's a ton of fun. There's a lot of money to be made. Uh, that'll be 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. But for the next hour or so, we can talk anything you want, Honda Classic or otherwise. Drop it in the chat. I'll get through as many as I can. Ownership, which is going to change <laughs> uh, drastically. Um, Weather, whatever you want. Let's jump into it. So here we go. Jeffrey, disagreed with you last week. Set 37 DFS lineups. Did not get six of six through in any. On top of that, you handed us the winner. My bad. All good, Jeffrey. Listen, uh, golf is hard. Golf is weird. Uh, sometimes I look very smart. Sometimes I look very stupid. I'm okay with that. It's all about the process, right? Uh, you can make a, a, a bad bet can uh, can win. A, a good bet can lose. Uh, as long as you have kind of the research behind it. You can feel pretty comfortable about it. It, it. it could have been a really big week for a lot of people. Well, I mean, I saw so many screenshots because uh, Justin Thomas was a great play under $10,000, obviously. And then there was the built-in value on Bryson DeChambeau. So I know a lot of people just started their lineups, JT and Bryson, and you were off and running there. So congrats to everybody. I saw a lot of winning tickets. I saw a lot of screenshots stoked for everyone. Magic Alk, Magic Malk says, which of these three combos do you like the most? M- Poston Glover or Neiman Poston Kazire or Neiman Steel Glover. Ooh. Um Neiman Steel Glover, probably. I like I think I like him the most, but Neil Neiman Steel Glover is probably my favorite. 100 lineups last week, zero cut six of six made. Yeah, nine of 17. Nine of the 17 most expensive golfers on DraftKings missed the cut last week. So all of your studs, all of the carnage, a lot of popular guys. Patrick Cantley, I think, was 21% owned across the board. He missed the cut. So yeah, it it is it was gonna be ugly. Uh, maybe I like to suffer, but these weaker fields, I love the edge a little research gives me. That's true. How does John Huh fit this week? I've actually been asked about John Huh already, and he he fits fine. It's okay. The only thing you need to realize with him is that um, he has very he has, he has a small sample size. He has not played a lot. So if you see him popping up in models, it is probably because his sample size is smaller than everybody's. If you're okay with that, all good. Um, I know there's going to be questions about Daniel Berger. Let's just hop into it right now, and I'll show you the cheat sheet. Uh, everything you see in this live chat, it's going to be available at rickrungood.com. Uh, you can sign up. I think it's great. I use it all the time. It's awesome. Let me get my banners out of the way here so we can see all this. All right, so I just reran the ownership about an hour ago, and it had a, a lot of things that I was questioning. You know, Joaquin Neiman was flying up the board in terms of projected ownership. He, I had him at 28%. I had Daniel Berger at 33, and I was 
adamant that that was not going to happen because uh, you know the the news from his withdrawal of the pro am this morning spooked a lot of people, and a lot of people thought he withdrew from the event at that time. That that wasn't the case. So I was getting ready to come on here and be like, listen, Berger is. Uh, like he's going to come in under 33%. Well, now he certainly is because he just withdrew from the tournament. So now we have a lot of ownership that needs to go in a different direction. I imagine we are going to see pretty significant shares of Sung J M and Joaquin Neiman. And when I say significant, dare I say they might, they both come in at 40%. I, I'm, I'm not sure that's, that's unrealistic considering there is a, almost an industry wide fade of Lee Westwood, which we can talk about later. Um, the, the Adam Scott, Russell Henley love, not great. There's also a couple of other things. Sung J M is the cheapest, most expensive golfer we've seen in some time. Think about that. So if for, for whatever the price, the most expensive golfer is Sung J M is the cheapest since it was an event in the fall. It was either Bermuda or Punta Cana. I think it was Punta Cana with Will Zalatoris. So, so normally we would see the most expensive golfer 11, two, 11, three, 11, five, whatever. Sung J M is very cheap. So you can really get creative here that with, with all of those factors in play with the last minute, um, you know, this was already a top heavy board with, with the biggest name, the guy that was the favorite withdrawing. I don't think it's unrealistic to see Sung J and Joaquin Neiman push 40%. I don't think, I think that's, what's going to happen. Um, now, do I want to be a part of that? Yeah, sure. Right. I, I think a lot of the win equities at the top, I'm a bit partial to Sung J M I've gone with Joaquin Neiman and a couple of one and dones just because of the, the, the nature of it. Maybe I've already used Sung J M. So if you made me choose, I like Sung J a little bit better. Um, we can talk about him and, and the, and the blueprint that he's laying, but that's, that's how I feel the top of the board is going to shake out here. So we'll obviously see, um, and we'll go from there. We'll talk through it. Drop your questions. Let's see what else we got. Scott wants to know, do you think the pendulum... Oh, by the way, hit the like button for me. Sorry. I always forget to say that. It goes a long way. It's much appreciated. And I thank you very much. Do you think the pendulum has swung too far on the recency thing? Westwood is a top 20 player in the world. Great ball striker and windy. Yeah. So I don't think there's been anybody who has said uh, Lee Westwood is not playing well right? That, that's not the case. If you go and just, it just feels like you're chasing points at this point, right? Uh, and maybe it's getting better, obviously with Daniel Berger withdrawing, but we haven't seen odds this short on Lee Westwood in a long time. We've basically never seen a DraftKings price on him to this. I think the, the furthest back I could go was like $8,500. Now he's 10,600. Uh, it's significant. And it, it's really just a matter of, is he going to keep it? What if he finishes ninth? Does ninth pay for himself? Probably not. I mean, it's a, it, it is, it is almost Scott that he has to win this golf tournament to pay himself off, which just got a little bit easier with, with Berger, uh, getting out of here. But I, I am, I am concerned. I'm not sure it's necessarily a recency thing. I think there's a lot of factors involved. Jim Furyk, Wesley, Brian, Cam Percy, question mark. I don't know what the question is. Uh, yeah, I like them all for kind of like sleepers. Like Furyk's kind of really, I like Furyk a lot. Uh, I think Wesley Bryan is great for a small sample size. And I think Percy is uh, the third of these three options. What is the Rick run good theory on when to build lineups with wave tea time splits? At what point do you start considering it? How many golfers would you put in a lineup from one wave? Any advantages this week? Okay. So there's a lot to unpack here. Um, normally what you would do is you would want to lean on specific tea time stacks 
if the weather was going to change dramatically. So if like on a Thursday morning, it was benign conditions and then you rocked over, you know, to, to Thursday afternoon and the wind started to kick up and like, that was going to be pretty scary stuff. Um, then you would want to, you would want to go with Thursday morning, Friday PM and get like, I don't know, four or five guys in every single, uh, uh, in, in your lineup from those waves. Now, if you want to talk about this week, Let's do it. I've got this wind finder, which you guys are going to love this. So here's the wind finder for um, Palm Beach Gardens right now. So this area right here where my cursor is, that that's PGA National. I can actually zoom in a little bit. This is PGA National right here. Pretty cool, right? Look, you can see the wind direction. You can see the course. Here it is. So right now, boom, 14 mile an hour wind from the south southeast. Don't you love this? This is unbelievable stuff. But if we look at uh, kind of what the forecast is for this week. So here's Thursday, you know, you're seeing winds, uh, the wind speed, you know, low single digits, 12 to 15 miles an hour. It does appear like they're going to be more sustained winds on Thursday afternoon, a little bit into the morning wave. Uh, and then you go down to Friday and it actually gets a little bit better. So, you, you know, uh, the wind actually, you know, and, and wind is, this can change in a moment's notice in Florida, but wind uh, gets a little bit lighter on Friday afternoon, just about five miles an hour, but it's pretty steady all day long. So if you're thinking about wave splits, and I don't think you have to go crazy with this, but I would probably prefer Thursday morning, Friday afternoon, because it looks like right here, right in this like 11 to two range, when that first wave is ending, that second wave is getting going. Uh, if they're going to get 20 mile an hour sustained winds with gusts to 25, PGA national is going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. Uh, that's going to be tough. Good question. <clears throat> happy St. Patrick's day. Yeah. Happy St. Patrick's day. Shane Lowry. Uh, yeah. Might be the best Irish golfer at the moment. That's pretty funny. <clears throat> and Rick, if Shane wins, I'll send you a few Guinness for next week. Deal. I'll take it. I accept this free roll into Guinness. No problem. Do you have a favorite play or range this week? I feel like uh, I literally like no one. That's from TJ. So let's look at this together. We can go to the we can go to the cheat sheet here. And what I've noticed is so not only the 10K range has gotten smaller with Lee Westwood out, the 9K range has gotten or I'm sorry, sorry, Daniel Berger out. The 9K range has gotten smaller with the withdrawal of Gary Woodlands. The 8K range was pretty small. I, I mean, this is I don't remember this few golfers being above. 7,000. Maybe I'm imagining that, but it feels like a really small group. And then there's just a ton of guys in the 7k range and a ton of guys in the 6k range. So I think my favorite range is probably, no, I don't know if I have one. It's pretty bad. Um, maybe the eights, you know, you get Keegan in here, you get Brendan Steele, you get Cam Davis, who I'm not very bullish on this week, but in general, I like him. Maybe the mid $8,000 range is my favorite eight to eight, 8,500. Let's call it, let's call it that. I think there's some options there. <clears throat> I talked about that ownership question, so I'm going to skip that. Uh, besides Burns, who is the most volatile player in the field? Uh, Sam Burns has withdrawn from this event. So do not play Sam Burns. Uh, generally speaking, some of the more volatile golfers are like Kevin Streelman. Um, it's some of these team no putt guys, right? Like Kevin Streelman, you'll see pop up at travels. You'll see him pop up for a top five a couple of times a year. He's going to be a great ball striker every single week. If he catches a hot putter, he'll pop off now and then. It's guys like that. Even like a Keegan Bradley, a, a Benny on, a Sepp Straka. These are very volatile golfers. Um, but Sam Burns is not in the field. He withdrew. 
Biggie Ball says, Rick, please stop me from playing Luke Donald. Um, yeah, you should not play Luke Donald. You should look away. I mean, we can pull it up. Let's do it. I mean, this is why we do this, right? Let's let's have a little fun. Let's pull up Luke Donald on the Holy Grail. I don't even know how often he's played. How many rounds do I have on him? Yikes. Biggie Balls. This is the guy you want to play? He has not. He has gained strokes off the tee twice in like two years. And he's gained more than one stroke off the tee once. The iron play's bad. The putting's bad. Biggie, but this is a troll, right, Biggie? Go back to the guac. That that you you don't mean that. You don't mean you don't mean that. Um, Michael Van Veen uh, with a super chat, much appreciated, Michael. He says, "Thanks for all you do." Neiman and M also have to win to pay themselves off. That's pretty true. What do you have for ownership projection on Westwood post Burger withdrawal? Am I crazy for considering an all in on Wessie? So again, thank you for the super chat. It is much appreciated. I don't know what these ownership numbers are going to do. Um, my guess is M and Neiman get closer to 40. I think you get Westwood and Scott up to maybe 20 and 18 respectively, something like that. I think Gooch is going to rise as well. That, that's my hunch. I'll run the numbers later and post them on the site. But I, I don't think – I think if you're playing um, – if you are playing a large GPP, something where you want to have a lot of leverage, there really is no argument about against what Lee Westwood's recent play. The argument is sustainability and some of the comments that he's made about, you know, walking Augusta National and how tired his legs are and he's 47 years old and all that stuff. So um, I, I think that he is, of course, the riskier guy in this range. But as we say each and every week, with great risk comes great reward. As long as you know that's what you're getting yourself into, Michael, I, I don't mind it, right? You, you, you're you aware of that. Um, I appreciate the super chat again. Thank you. <clears throat> what are my thoughts on Adam Scott this week? Let's look at Adam Scott because, you know, he has been um, perfectly fine for the last year. Uh, he has he has not done anything too spectacular. He has not done anything uh, particularly terrible. He's making a lot of cuts. He now hasn't missed a cut since the API last year, uh, the 2020 API. So like it's it's fine. I like to see this. I like to see that he's gained strokes putting in four straight. That's a, a bugaboo for him. So if he's got that under control, if he's rolling in the rock a bit, I, I like to see that. Um, this is really concerning. The two the two rounds or the two events in a row that he's just been absolutely awful off the tee that would be concerning for me but we are we are basically in all hands on deck mode right now timmy if you're comfortable with adam scott that's fine just i, I think that him and westwood are, are are very clearly the riskier options in that 10k range let's talk about the elephant in the room complete fade on burger yes because he just withdrew i'm assuming you sent that before we started this john says um DirecTV offers bonus channels for the majors and a few other tournaments. Why can't a network provide these additional channels for every tourney? Keep an eye out for ESPN next year. Uh, ESPN, I believe, is getting the digital rights for PGA Tour Live. Um, I have a hunch they will have more feeds next year. Whether that means, uh, I don't know what it means, but I have a hunch that they're going to have some more feeds. Greg, good to see you. Hit the like button. Thank you very much. Who's going to finish top 10 out of nowhere? In this field, it could literally be anyone. Um, let me find somebody for you. Top 10 out of nowhere. So I think we got to go pretty low. I think it would be kind of reasonable to think that Patton Kazire does it, which I know is kind of crazy, but let's let's look up Kazire here. He's a he's a pretty good pro. I mean, listen, this field's 
it's it's ugly. I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you guys. The field the field is really ugly. Um, but Kazire has been striking the ball well recently. Three straight events in which he's gained strokes on approach. The he has this ability to pop up at times. Here's Sony top ten there, uh, top ten at the Travelers. A couple of top tens or a top eleven at the RSM and Houston. Like he has that upside. He hasn't missed a cut. Um, since the Safeway, that was the first start of the year of the of the season. Excuse me. So so keep that in mind. I would not be surprised to see Kazire be the guy that's like, oh, that's that's kind of out of nowhere. Top ten. The other one, I'm gonna get punished for this. Um, it could be Phil. Like, and and let me be very clear. I'm I do not like Phil's chances this week. But the argument would be. I don't think he's going to be able to repeat his his game from last week. But the argument would be if he does do what he did last week in this field, he probably finishes in the top 10. Again, Gavin, I I do not believe that, but it wouldn't be completely surprising. Go, going back to a question that we saw earlier in regards to um, you know, who are the volatile guys, like Phil's all over the place, right? Would you be completely shocked to see that? Not, not at all. How do, how much does strokes gain approach weight carry in the lineup optimizer? So this is kind of up to you. Uh, I, I assume we're talking about this right here. So this is the course key stats model. The model says there's really one stat that kind of stands alone here in terms of correlation to success. It's strokes gained approach. There's only nine courses on the PGA tour in which strokes gained approach becomes more important. Um, I wouldn't go 50% J, uh, JG. I would probably go 35 ish, right? A third of your weights approximately, uh, is, is the way that I would, I would do that. Or if you wanted to use the Rick run good optimizer and optimize on strokes gained approach, that would be pretty cool. I've done that to, uh, some pretty good success at times, especially when there's only one standalone stat. So I kind of like that. Um, additionally, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves next week is going to be awesome. I cannot wait for strategy next week. It is such a unique event with the match play. I cannot wait for it. Um, Kevin, thank you very much, uh, for the super chat. I really do appreciate this. And you, you come through every week for me. It's, it's, it's not unnoticed. He says props on your March madness bracket video. Great way to look at the data, uh, when selecting brackets. Yeah. So if you guys are, are interested in this, I made a video about how to pick an optimal bracket, uh, which I've, I've done in the past. I redid it for this year. I know nothing about college basketball. I know a lot about the data and I basically use leverage to kind of pick out some spots that I think are going to be are good or bad. And, and listen, it might work out. It might not, but there's, there's definitely a strategy involved when you're playing with a lot of people. Kevin, thank you very much. I'm glad I redid that. I wasn't going to redo that video. Um, I'm glad that I did for this year because it, it really sparked a lot of great conversation. And I just, I like to nerd out on that stuff. Hey Rick, thanks for all the content. No problem. Um, yeah, I do. I believe Cameron Davis is a risk. That is, that is correct. And he, I mean, he had a top 10 here last year. I just don't like what I saw in the first couple legs of the swing. I'm going to have plenty of investments in Cameron Davis moving forward. It's just not going to be this week. Uh, you point out Steeler Bradley. I like both of these guys. Um, you know, Kevin, uh, um, Brendan Steele, we talk about all the time, a great ball striker. Now you put him in a weaker field. Like he had at the say at the Sony where he probably should have won that event. I think that's interesting. Let's deep dive Keegan because, you know, we rarely talk about Keegan Bradley outside of the same thing that we always talk about. He's going to go as far as his putter allows him to. Uh, and that is still true. But what we have right now is almost uncharted territory for Keegan, where he has gained strokes putting in two straight starts. I do not think it is a um, coincidence that these are two Florida courses that that tends to be like Bermuda's a, a bit easier to putt on. Um, so here we get him gaining strokes two events in a row. So if you find other times that he's done that, 
He did it here in 2019, but it wasn't back-to-back weeks. It was two events in a row. He did it here, but this was two measured events in a row. Uh, there was an, He played the Open Championship in between that. Here he did it uh, back-to-back weeks at Wells Fargo and the Players' Championship, finished seventh at the Players' Championship. Again, Florida course. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is pretty uncharted territory for him gaining strokes two weeks consecutively. And we can argue that uh, there's probably no way he does three, which I think the last time he did that was 2015. But I like the rest of his game. Windy conditions, rely on your ball striking, make a few putts. I, I, I rarely say this. I, I like Keegan Bradley this week. Uh, Brian brings up what I was talking about with Lee Westwood earlier. You know, he, he admitted, I think on Sunday, uh, his legs were tired. He went and played Augusta national. Augusta national is a, is a, is a treacherous walk. Um, I'm nervous. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I'm probably not going to have less Westwood. I, I'll just, I'll just chalk it up at the top and, um, have no problem dif- differentiating down down low. <clears throat> uh, hey, Rick, listening to another very popular podcast, I heard that the Honda is a Pete Dye course, but the key stats say different. Uh, I'm, I mean, now I'm second guessing myself. It's Afazio, right? Afazio Brothers did this. I, I can get the source right now. Hold on. We're going to find out. Yeah. All right. Here's, here's, this is, this is, this is the official source and, and nobody can argue this. Uh, this is the GCSAA. It is the golf course superintendents association of America. They put out these tournament fact sheets. This is 100% a Fazio design, Tom and George. And then it was renovated by Jack Nicholas in 2002. That's case closed has there's there's that that's it. Nothing else to say. <clears throat> What else do we have here? Oh, you, okay. So now I'm getting to the spot where people are like, oh, burgers out, burgers out. Yeah, he's out. I'm just going to scroll through a lot of these. Oh boy. All right. I answered a lot of these, which is good. Okay. So I, I'm not going to do my, I'm not going to get on my wind soapbox again this week. You guys know how I feel about any wind data, but in theory, in th- I don't, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with the questions that are like, Oh, so-and-so gains two strokes per round in windy conditions. I, that's a soapbox issue for me, but in theory, uh, the, the better wind players are guys that flush their irons or flush their driver, right? Ball strikers. Now it's, it's, it's a little bit different to say if they're gaining strokes, uh, or if they are hitting a heavy ball, all that good stuff, but ideally ball strikers, uh, and ideally I'm, and, and, anecdotally some of the european tour guys tend to play in wind more often than the pga tour guys do that doesn't mean they like it doesn't mean they're better at it but they tend to deal with it more often and i won't get into my full wind soapbox this week jim furick say his name Oh, James Furyk, say his name. Apologies, James Furyk. My bad. Uh, are you playing in the 200? And if so, are you playing Stars and Scrubs? Yeah. So I am the pro. I, you know, we got. Fl- I was waiting to put a lineup in because I didn't know what I was going to do with Berger. I probably wasn't going to be able to play him in DFS anyway. It was going to be too risky. I was going to run Berger out in one and dones that have a backup or an alternate. I wasn't going to be able to use Berger in the big thousand uh, dollar one and done because there is no alternate there, and I thought that was too risky. Uh, so I have not created this lineup yet. I, I think, I think now I will probably, um, I will try to make lineups with Sung Jay and Neiman. I don't know if that's possible um, because you're really going to have to go down to the bottom and get Harry. 
but I'll try it. If not, I'll get one of them. It'll, it, it probably won't be a pure stars and scrubs or it won't be a pure balanced build either. I really like Lowry this week. You know, a lot of people do. Let's look up Lowry. This is, this is not an uncommon sentiment this week. I'm not, I'm not as interested to be quite frank. Um, I understand that it is an incredibly weak field. Here's his numbers. Finished eighth last week. Um, he was okay. He was an okay ball striker. He gained a lot around the greens. He gains two strokes putting. He hasn't been all that good. Like since he won the open championship, right? There's a lot of sour results in here. He's got a couple of top tens. There's a huge push on Lowry this week from betters. William Hill has, I think, I think he has 3% of the bets and 10% of the money. Last time I checked on William Hill. So big bets are coming in on Shane Lowry. I know, I know a lot of people around, around the industry are talking about him. I'm not as excited. I'm pretty just warm, uh, not hot. I, I could, I could fade Shane Lowry and be completely fine with this. I just, I, I see one, I see one good week last week or one good result last week. That was a bit buoyed by the short game, right? 5.85 strokes gained in short game. That is his best performance since the RBC Canadian in 2019 when he finished second. Um, tough. It's tough. I, I don't, I don't like Lowry as much. <clears throat> also Kramer Hickok withdrew. That's right, Matt. Good call. <clears throat> uh, now that Berger is out, this is Westwood's tournament to win. Do you agree? I don't. I think it is either Berger or Joaquin Neiman's uh, tournament to win. Can you compare Lowry and Kirk? Okay, so we just looked at Lowry. Let's do Chris Kirk. I'm pretty sure he just had a bad Sunday last week, but he was a ball-striking maniac and has kind of been, I believe. Let's look at this. Yeah, so here he is. So he finished 48th last week, which is part due to a, a, an unbelievably horrible putting week, but also I think his Sunday was just brutal. Um, three straight weeks where he's gained strokes, ball striking, that's a good sign. I mean, this is kind of a pretty good spot for him, I would think. Where did, did he play any of the windy ones? Sometimes when you get to like Bermuda or Punta Cana, it gets pretty windy down there. Didn't play. Oh, he played in Punta Cana, Punta Cana missed the cut. That's not great. Um, but that's only one event. I'm not going to hold it against him. Yeah, I mean, I would probably rather Chris Kirk, Keith, than, than Shane Lowry in this situation. Play Neesmith last two weeks based off strokes gained and approach numbers, and he burned me. Go back to him this week. The good thing about Neesmith, let me just check this before I tell you this. Even when he misses the cut, oh, I guess last week was pretty bad. He lost two strokes on approach, but here he is. I was going to say, even when he has bad results, he usually strikes the ball well. So he's gained strokes on approach in, what is that? Uh, 11 of his last 13, something like that. The putter can be real troublesome and can erase a lot. I'd be more worried about the putter than I would be about whether he's going to rebound or not. So uh, I'd, I'd be lukewarm. I'm not, I don't think I need to take a stance on, on Matthew Neesmith. Ian, I don't need to study for Seinfeld trivia. You're going down. We got to set this up. I don't know how we're going to do this. If there was like an off week for golf, we should just like run weird trivia stuff on the, on the channel and we could figure out a way to do this um, for one and done. Uh, okay. So here's where I stand. I, I'm, I'm in the very fortunate position that I got 2.7 million from Justin Thomas last week. Uh, so I've made up a ton of ground in every single one and done that I'm in. I'm going to just probably play it safe. I'm going to take, Neiman, or I'm going to take M in basically every single one of these. And if someone from 50, 60, 70, 80 to one wins this golf tournament, 
I don't really care. Um, cause I don't think many people will have that person. I'm just living to fight another day is, is what I'm going to do. Now, if you are in the run good one and done where this is the final leg of segment two, maybe you want to try to win segment two. Maybe you want to, or maybe you want to hold on to your lead or whatever it is. So, uh, it's definitely going to depend on your position Ian. but I'm, I'm playing it pretty safe this week. Just M or Neiman, or if I was really feeling frisky, I guess Westwood, but I'm trying not to move off the top of the board uh, all that much here. I've answered a lot of these questions, which is good. Can you add analysis on the Saturday shows of your big single entry contest lineup? Takes a minute to discuss how you come up with it. Um, Maybe. It's not always my call because the Saturday shows, uh, I assume you're talking about the first cut, right? So that's um, the CBS show. Uh, maybe. It depends It depends who's on and how much time we have. You know, w- w- when we get to later in the year, you know, I-, I think what I've done right now is I've created like a seven-day content schedule on the Rick Rungood YouTube channel. I think there's a chance that um, some more like live stuff or, sa- you know, Friday night, Saturday night, I don't know what it is, comes. So, I'll keep it in mind, Jim. I appreciate the feedback. I like Varner at eight at plus 8,000. So that's 80 to one. I kind of do too. So let's check this out here because Varner popped up for me while I was doing a lot of this research here. And let me see. What, oh, hold on. Let me get rid of this. So let me see what I did here. How did I get Varner in here? I think I said since the start of 2020, give me strokes gain T to green. Yeah, this was it. And Varner and Russell Henley are one and two. Uh, they're, they're within a hundredth of a, of a strokes of a stroke of each other over 97 rounds. So, uh, I, I do like Varner, right? I'm, I'm Andrew. I'm, I'm asking ball strikers this week. Um, and I'm asking for guys to get hot with their putter on a surface that turns bad putters into good ones. So I'm cool with that. Don't mind it at all. I'd be worried about when he gets into contention and if he has a Sunday meltdown, but listen, if he's, if, if we have to worry about that, we're in a good spot. just lightly touch the like button. Thank you very much. Um, think about, think playing Scott. Okay. So this is, what's kind of interesting. And I don't know if I have this handy here. Adam Scott always seems to pop up. So this is the tournament predictor. This is where I simulate, uh, the results of these events and Adam Scott, he didn't really do it this week, but I'm at 2.6%. If I re I'm gonna have to rerun this now with burger out. Um, I bet you Adam Scott gets a lot of, of, of win equity here because even though he doesn't have a huge sample size since his win at Riviera, he's been volatile, which the model loves. And, and honestly, that's how you win on the PGA Tour. It is why Bryson is opening up his own range of outcomes. It is why Colin Morikawa is opening up his own range of outcomes to try to win more. So I I think that he, Adam Scott will win, eat up a lot more of the win equity than, um, than I even want to admit. I almost forgot. <laughs> this is brought to you by Jock Market. I was so stoked about... Uh, about about the the Daniel Berger stuff and just jumping right into it. But uh, Jock Market is stock market DFS. So this is an opportunity to uh, buy golfers and other athletes uh, before the tournament starts. So that's, that's what we're going to do tonight, Wednesday night, 8.15 p.m. PM Eastern time on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Joe Idoni and myself are going to uh, run through the final hour of where you can bid on golfers and win these shares. And then during the event, you can buy and sell. And from all the metrics that I'm being told, from all of the experience that we're seeing, the in-game stuff, the buying and selling is doing a lot, lot better. It's making it more liquid. So like, for example, I mean, you could have bought Justin Thomas 
last week at the players on Thursday or Friday, really, really cheap. You know, he barely makes the cut. He's two under par. You could have bought his shares there. And then he goes absolutely insane on the weekend, wins the golf tournament, pays out $25 a share. Like it's awesome. So you can go check out the, I have the, the, all of this is for free on, on rickrungood.com. The, uh, the data of every single cash market that has ever existed. So Justin Thomas closed IPO at $9.09 last week. I bet you he was cheaper than that on Thursday or Friday after he was kind of just two under, paid out the full $25. And then Lee Westwood's been an animal in the in the jock market because he's been turning, you know, he went three, it was $3 last Wednesday, closed at or finished the event at, at $20 a share. So it's a lot of fun. Join us for that. And it's a, a, a really innovative format. I love it. What are the ownerships on Westy, Scott, and Henley? So these are going to change drastically. I'm going to have to run rerun these numbers again. So I, I don't want to. I don't want you quoting me on these, Chris. But um, Westy is. I have him about 14. I bet he pushes closer to 20. Adam Scott at 12. I bet he pushes closer to 16 or 18. And then Henley at 20. Eh, he might stay there or go up just like 21, 22, something like that. I'll have to rerun these. I'll have to check it out. Who do I like as an out right now? Um, I'm I'm not I'm not going to overthink this week. I, I'm just going to do so. So when I ran the tournament simulator, the two guys that had the bulk of the win equity before there was a drop off were Berger and Sungjae. Now Berger's out, so I think it's Sungjae. I, I really I would I would bet like Sungjae. I would bet Keegan. I would bet like like I, I want to embrace the volatility in a little bit with Keegan and maybe like a Brandon Wu and a Harold Varner the third. But I I think if if the if we're looking at the top. I think it's Sungjae. The other thing about Joaquin Neiman, we haven't talked about Joaquin. Let's let's do this because you know I I owe you guys this, and there's something really interesting happening with Sungjae Sungjae right now, and I, and I think this is worth looking at. I do that every single week. I type the guy's name. Maybe I should change where these are. I type the guy's name into the tournament. And I get confused on why they're not popping up. All right, here we go. Remember when I I laid out the blueprint for Justin Thomas's win last week? I said. Look at what he's doing on approach. Look at what he's doing with the putter. It is the it is the off the tee game that is terrible. If he fixes that, he wins, and he's really good at that. We're seeing a similar bl- blueprint from from Sung J M right now. He is gaining tons of strokes on the putting surface. A little bit worrisome, but he's doing it so consistently. He's just a really good putter. So he's gained in six in a row. Look at his off the tee numbers. He's one of the best drivers of the golf ball on tour. Uh, now he's starting to get back to, this is what's holding him back right here, this approach game. And he hasn't been good the last couple of weeks and he's still found a way to find top thirties in really tough, really difficult conditions and, or, or uh, fields and, and, uh, courses. And I, I think he's really close. Like if he can figure this out, right. If he can gain two strokes on approach, which is basically his, I guess it's probably not his baseline, but if he could gain two strokes on approach over the course of the week, being a zero player around the greens, that's the formula, especially in a, in a week like this. So he's getting really, really close. Neiman's fine. I don't want people to think I don't like Joaquin Neiman. I'm just maybe not as excited or not seeing the blueprint as much. Um, of course, he's going to be a great ball striker. My only concern is if you look at some of the courses where he's had the most success, that's uh that's Wiley. That's a really that's a really easy course. Uh, Tournament of Champions, really easy. I'll give him Shadow Creek. That was a top ten. That's a really good one. Um, BMW. Actually, maybe I'm wrong about this. BMW. What Olympia Fields? RBC Heritage. That's that's not too difficult. His win came at Greenbrier. That's not too difficult. So maybe it is a mixed bag. I was going to say he really only seems to have success at at easy courses, but um, I don't I don't know if I agree with that anymore. <clears throat> 
How much does the grass specialist anti-specialist factor weigh in your yeah, it's it's tie-breaking. Um, there are some guys that have big differences, right? Like Benny on, I think is a really good example for being much better on Bermuda. I mean, still bad, but much better on Bermuda. There are a couple of guys like that. Um, and the players will tell you it matters more than the data does. The data tells you it's really, really noisy. Um, the, the players will tell you they feel more comfortable on it. Does Ricky find form at a course he loves? I don't think so. He's just, he's just so, so far off right now. Um, you know, you don't you don't love the fact that he's been tinkering with the putter. You don't love the fact that his game has just been. I mean, he's lose. He's just bleeding strokes off the tee. He's losing them on approach. The putter is not even that good anymore. And if you are just a tiny bit off at PGA National, John, you are in for big trouble. I don't mind Doug Gim this week. The you know, listen, he has been, and let's 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 do it. That's why we're here. Let's do it. Um. He has been a good ball striker since the start of the season. Let's see if we can do this. So here's Gim. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, some of them are very close to zero, but he has he has gained strokes on approach in six consecutive. He has gained uh, strokes on approach in eight of nine measured and in of like so in his last what. 11, 12 measured events, he's lost strokes on approach once. That's a really good baseline. I'm not going to. Uh, write the guy off because in the biggest moment of his life playing in the final round with Justin Thomas as JT's going insane at the largest purse in the world that he falls apart on a Sunday where a lot of guys shot a high score. I, I can't fault the kid for that. So um, I'm, I'm much more optimistic about Doug Gim uh, than, than many are. Petition to change the name of ice cream to creamed ice. I think I could get behind that. That's, is it? I guess it is creamed ice, isn't it? Hmm. Not bad. If ever, if you had everyone available in a one and done format, but we're more worried about taking two guys to make the cut rather than two with the highest win probability, would you go somewhere else over Neiman and M? Ooh. So if I just care about to make the cut, I mean, Adam Scott has been making a ton of cuts and finishing like 30th and 40th. Uh, I don't know if that's good or not. That wouldn't be so bad, but I would, pr- I, I, I would think Sung Jay's a hair safer than Neiman. I would think. And I mean, Scott has, has been safe for the last, he hasn't missed a cut since his win, right? That was Riviera last year. So that was 13 months ago. <clears throat> I've, I've read a lot of these, so don't think I'm just slacking off here. Uh, winner comes from 7,500 to six to 8,600. Brian, that might be a good call. 7,500 to 86 would be like Kazire, HV3, EVR, Streelman. Dude, this is, this is probably a good call, Brian. I, I, (laughs) we might get to Sunday when I post the optimal, this might be the week where it's $44,600. I don't even know. And that's not a bad call. With all these guys dropping out, when do they announce who is filling the spots? They already did. Uh, Rain Gibson is taking. Um, you should follow Rob Bolton on on uh, on Twitter. He's he he always posts these as they come in. So Rain Gibson f- took uh, Daniel Berger's spot. Brandon Hagee took Cameron Hickok's spot. K- 
Kiridat Afi Barnrat took Doc Redman's spot. Sebastian Kaplan and DJ Trahan took Scott Piercy and Gary Woodland's spot. Joseph Bramlett, JJ Spawn took Harmon and Burns' spot. Bronson Burgoon took Kyle Stanley's spot. And Vincent Whaley took, took uh, Danny Willett's spot. How about that? Go follow Rob Bolton. The argument against Phil was that he finally struck it well. What are the chances he does that again? Uh, but can I reverse that and say, what if he's figured out the ball striking plus better this week? Yeah, for sure. You can. Um, that that's, that's the, that is the nature of our game, trying to figure out if these guys found it or if it's an outlier, um, history, you know, the, the, the numbers might say that, um, Phil's ball striking week last week was so much was, was a ceiling week for him in the last couple of years that it's very, very unlikely that happens again, but you're right, Drew. That's, that's, this is the game we play. This is why it's so, that's why it's so challenging. Does the wind affect the back nine more than the front nine with the bear trap and the, Oh, I have no idea. I don't know if that area is more exposed. I'm looking at the map. Uh, I I have no idea. I have no idea. I wish I knew. That'd be pretty cool. <clears throat> All right. Let's see what Brent has to say. I don't know what this means. Hey, Rick, I have a group. I post a pair and they pick a pair versus mine. Best combo score each round. Ugh, I don't know what that means. This this week I went uh, Neiman Henley, Neiman Steel for round one. Thoughts on fading him? Should I hedge? I Brent, I don't know what the rules of your thing are, but I like I like him more than Neiman. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about Henley. This should be a good spot for him, but he hasn't played well. I don't I don't understand your rules. Sorry. Are we fading 10k and above? No. I, I guess you actually. I mean, I shouldn't dismiss that. So. Man, uh, so now there are, so we would fade. I'm cool with fading Westwood, Scott, whatever. Um, so you'd have to give up Sungjae and Neiman. And if you did that, I'm your Huckleberry. And if either of those guys miss the cut, it's going to be carnage. Okay, that's not bad. I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'll do it, but if like when I make some lineups for the big, the big boy, like the, $200,000 to first or whatever, that might be a pretty good strategy, especially because the, the ownership is going to be so concentrated. I got to rerun these numbers when I, when I log off here. Neiman is going to win. <laughs> he lives in Palm Beach. His coach is in town, so you're going back-to-back -back win. Rick, congrats. I already got a win for Neiman. I don't know how I did that. <clears throat> oh, I just lost my spot. I hate it when that happens. Okay, I'm back. I've answered a lot of these. Howard Varner, top 10. I wouldn't disagree. Schwartzel, top 20. Mm, probably not. Who has grown on you as the week's gone on? Okay, Dan, good question. So I got to recalibrate because this, it, I mean, eight minutes before we went live, all this stuff got, all this got shaken up. I, okay, I will say that that range that I just talked about, that 75 to 8,600, that range has grown on me, <laughs> just embracing the volatility a little bit. So I, um, I, I think Keegan continues to grow on me. I think HV3 continues to grow on me. I think the guy that is fading, and I want to be very, very clear about this, fading on me as the week goes on is Brandon Wu. And it is nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with the industry. If he is going to be double digits in ownership, I'm not that interested anymore. And it's not a knock against him. It's just like, 
I really do believe the line is blurred between the Corn Ferry and the PGA Tour. I really do believe that Brandon Wu has a, a great game and he's going to be on the PGA Tour soon enough, full-time, rocking and rolling. But if he's going to come in double digits, I don't need to get him here. So again, I, that is not anything to do with his game. It is it is just based on the way things are kind of shaking out. I like Steele a lot. I talk about him every week, Chris. Yeah, he's just, he's a great ball striker. He'll figure it out. He can't putt, but hey, We've seen, we've seen that uh, come to fruition in the past. Was Jim justified in pressuring? Was Pam justified in pressuring Jim to leave his job in Philly and enable and enable a flirtatious relationship with Brian? First of all, great question, Brian the Boom Guy. Um, wor- the worst arc in the entire office, right? They they finally break the fourth wall. Oh, Brian comes to her rescue. All that stuff. They make it look like she's cheating. I don't understand how Jim and Pam went from being just like mind meld, perfect relationship, communicate about everything into not, not talking about this. Like Jim was splitting time in Philly. Pam knew this was the transition. Jim was kind of a, a jerk and like would call and be like, Oh, like kind of be a little bit dismissive. And I felt like wasn't doing a great job, but that whole situation could have been avoided with communication. Uh, The Brian thing is bonkers. I I can't even, I when I get to that part of of the office I start back at season one I can't watch the final like season or two. Uh, we covered this a little bit earlier. Any p a.m. p.m. if if you had to I believe Thursday morning is going to be better. Wind starts to kick up in the afternoon. Uh, who is meanest play of the week? That's my wife. I don't know. That's my wife. You're talking about. Um, I don't know. Maybe she'll slack me. It. She probably she's probably watching this. If she's watching, she might slack me. Ooh, she might have. She said, and I quote, Cam Davis, I know Rick made some good arguments to fade him, but I'm an independent woman. That's, that's what I live with. She's slacking me that right now. <clears throat> Haven't match mentioned Adam Hadwin. How does his game fit on this course? Okay, so let's look at this. So we'll go to the course key stats here. If I can find this. Um, so here we go. So as mentioned, the strongest correlators to success would be approach, uh, driving distance, driving accuracy. If you want to look at the last, call it four, uh, let's call it, let's call it 50 rounds. They're not all measured. So that's fine. Strokes gained approach would be Wes Bryan, Russell Henley, Chez, Keegan. Where does Adam Hadwin fall on this list? Hasn't been good. Losing a half a stroke on approach, that is not the Adam Hadwin we know. Let's do a deep dive into his round-by-round stuff. That's scary. I did not realize he was struggling that poorly. Is that like all in one or two rounds? What like what am I looking at here? Yikes. No. Oh, boy. Look at that. I mean, this is this is really ugly. I mean, he's losing, he's losing strokes nearly every time he tees it up on approach. That would be that would be a little bit scary. What are your thoughts on Kirk? Uh, I would not call him safe, but I, when we we deep we dove into him a bit earlier, and um, yeah, he was he was he was. I think he's pretty good, right? You're gonna have to rely on the putter a bit, but I like that. Do you like Brandon Wu to make the cut this week? The other thing about Brandon Wu is not that all of these guys don't have a ton of incentive. They do. There's a lot of money in play, especially in a week where now we've got another top favorite who's out. These guys are licking their chops. Brandon Wu would love to take the Will Zalatoris route of top 10, get into the next event, top 10, get into the, because that gets you into the next event. Um, And then you earn enough money to get your special temporary membership status. So if like, 
Brandon Wu is, if he makes the cut, is grinding over every single shot this week because he needs it. Like, I know, I know not everybody's going to do that. Which DraftKings tournaments do you play? I did a strategy Saturday video a couple of weeks ago uh, called Picking the Right Contest or something like that. You should check it out. Basically, I lo- I've been getting a lot into the single entries. Um, the, the $200 single entry is my current favorite, although they are now... They're doing the thing where the the bottom payout is one and a half times your buy-in. I hate that. Uh, anything like 20 max is great and whatever's right for you. Can you explain the value ranking on your course key stats? Yes. So this is a question I answered a couple of weeks ago or whatever, but it's always good to bring up because I know there's a lot of new people. So this regression model, the reason I love this model is it is not necessarily reactive, right? A lot of people will say, oh, last year, um, the guy who led in strokes game putting won the tournament. So strokes game putting must be important. It's like, yeah, the guy who leads in strokes game putting wins every tournament. Like that's, that's like kind of how this works. It's like saying the guy who played the best won. It's not, that's not that crazy. Uh, what this does is it uses uh, essentially the season as a whole. So every single season, it'll look at all of all every single PGA Tour stat category and see how guys ranked and where they had success. And it starts to build out what stats are important at each and every course. So the way that this reads is, um, I, so so then they're all based on value. So so what you'll see is like strokes gained approach is almost always the top value because it's a very important stat. So then I rank them versus other courses. That's what you're seeing over here on the right. This is what I think is more important. It essentially says that. There are nine other courses that strokes gain approach is more important than PGA national only nine out of 50. So, um, that is, this is the best one to look at. The pure value number, uh, is the, is the, is the, is the correlation score, right? So, so strokes gain approach is always going to be very high there, even though it might not be very high compared to other courses. So keep that in mind. Rick, you're smiling and laughing while coach was trying to explain himself over JT winning was priceless. Sometimes Brian, you know, things fall, fall in, in your lap. That was, that was pretty good late for this house burgers rips. He's out. Gavin would like in on the Seinfeld trivia action. All right. Somebody email me. We'll figure out a way to do this. I don't know what the best way to do this is. Somebody email me. Uh, we'll figure it out. What's my take on Neiman's poor course history. Uh, I think he's only played it twice right? Once or twice. So he missed the cut last year, 59th in 2020. He's young. I don't, I don't put much weight on that for young guys, uh, especially on a course, a Florida course that is this volatile. Um, I'm not, I'm not that worried about it on DK best two golfers from 7,000 to 7,500. Okay. Um, Kazire, I think we settled on and Oh boy. Pretty ugly here. Luke list. Wouldn't be bad. Uh, he's got good course history, or has at least shown good course history here. Played well a couple of weeks ago. He's your just straight on team. No putt guy. Um, probably those two. If I was really a, a glutton, glutton for punishment, I would go back to, um, why am I blanking on his name? Matthew Neesmith. Uh, Kevin, with another super chat, you are the man. Much appreciated. I know the answer already, but with the return of Tiger to the video game world, does this mean a return for the Run Good Tour? That's so good. So the Run Good Tour during quarantine, um, 
we all got together and played video game golf and we had a, a couple hundred people and there were tournaments and there was scheduling man it's i would love to if it was easier if i had more time i would love to participate running it was tough it's really tough everything has to be done manually but um i would love that it would be really cool i, I mean we'll we'll see i don't know I don't know. The schedule's jam-packed as it is, but if there was an easier way to create the tournaments, Kevin, I would be all in. That's that's really where I'm where I'm stuck with this. <clears throat> what are my thoughts on Jim Herman? I'm I'm happy to never be on Jim Herman. Uh let's let's pull him up here real quick. We'll do a little bit of a of a deep dive. Because if you remember, I mean, this guy just is the ultimate popper. Million missed cuts in a row, and then he's going to go out and win a golf tournament, right? That's kind of his thing, and it's kind of what we're seeing here again, right? Five missed cuts in a row. Um, I mean, it's either missed cut or top 20. It's it's really wild. Uh, yes, he is definitely a GPP flyer, but I think we are entering the category of random dart throw. Uh, I, I don't know if there's anything to back up why he would have a good week this week. <clears throat> I've answered a lot of these. So I'm just going to keep going. I know the winner here is chalk a lot of the time, but with the weak field, does it leave the, I mean, yeah, I mean, so it's been chalk, right? It's been, it's been Ricky. It's been, uh, Adam Scott. It's been, uh, I want to say Jason day, but I think I'm, I was doing research for the match play earlier. And I think I'm confusing that it's been Ricky Mitchell, Sungjae. Scott's one here. Um, but, but when Mitchell won, he was like 300 to one or 500 to one, depending on what book you got him. Gooch. The good thing about Gooch Oliver is he's well-respected by his peers, which is, uh, always a good thing. And his results on paper are not as good as he played, right? Like he would have like one bad round. He had one bad round at Riviera finished T12, uh, but he was in like the second to last group. I, I, I like Gooch a lot. He's a, he's a good player. Jock market, unfortunately not available in the UK yet. I don't know if they're actually don't, don't quote me on that. I, I don't know if they're expanding or not, but it, it is a great idea as you, as you point out. Rick beta looks awesome and easy to use. Played that lineup last week in the freebie one dollar. Please do it again and made, maybe add something. Um, I don't like to do this. So what I did last week is there's a new, there's a new lineup builder coming to rickrungood.com. The guys in the, in the Slack channel there, they have access to test it right now. So if you're a member of the site, you can test it now. It's in beta. We're trying to just iron out the wrinkles, make sure everything's all good. I'm trying to debut it for not next week. Cause that's the match play the week after I think is uh, Valero. I'm going to try to debut it there. Uh, so what I did is on the live chat last week, I, I just quickly ran a lineup just to see what would happen. Apparently it cashed, which I thought was hilarious. I got, I got, um, I got a comments like on Friday night, they were like, Oh my God, five of six. And I think it might've had Max Homa in it. And he like had three or maybe it had Grio in it and he missed the cut on the number or something like that. Um, should I do it again? All right. You know what? Let's just, I don't like doing this. I don't like doing the whole lineup thing, but listen, you got to give the people what they want. Let's do the last 50 rounds. And um, if this lineup wins and like a hundred of you put it in for like the 200,000, you guys got to send me something. So, and then I won't do this that often. Uh, all right. So here we go. We got to go strokes gain approach. Let's do 35. I think is what I've, what I've uh, done in the past. Let's do driving distance was second. I don't want to put too much weight on that though. So let's just do 15. Let's do um, birdie or better. I like a lot. Let's do 20 there. Let's do, I do think uh, like around the green and scrambling comes into play more, especially if these winds are going to kick up. I think there's going to be issues there. So let's do 15 around the green. And uh, some of these, I don't want to double count, but like 
let's do I think I think the Duke asked for sand saves or something like that. So let's do sand saves. And let's run one lineup. That's all I'm gonna do. One lineup. Oh boy. Neiman, Tringale, Bradley, Varner, Wise, Bra- Brian. Oh my god, I love that lineup. That is I'm so <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. I really like that lineup. Now I'm gonna have to play it. Look what look what you've done. Now I'm now gonna have to play it, and we're gonna split 250,000 150 ways. Oh boy. Uh talked about wins. <clears throat> am I worried about later groups? Yeah, I mean I am, right? 20 mile hour wins is no joke. Uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't care about the waves if it didn't look like it was going to change throughout, but it is, we have four minutes to go. I'll probably go a little bit longer because I'm behind on questions. So I'll try to run through these. A lot of these I've, I've, um, I've answered any love for the man of steel Superman. Yes. Brendan steel. I do like him. Oh, I do like Furyk. You know, we haven't talked about Furyk. So uh, here's the thing. Furyk on the PGA tour has been pretty good recently. I think he's made four cuts in a row. He played well at Riviera. The last time we saw him on the PGA tour, he's been dynamite on the champions tour. I know they're different things. But hey, good golf is good golf. Can you do some research into Ian Poulter? Yeah. Sure. Let's pull him up. Haven't seen what Poults has been up to recently. Go a little bit longer. I'm having fun. All right, here's Poulter. So <clears throat> I can go back a little bit further too if you want, but these are, you know, we don't have a ton of, of PGA Tour data. Last top 25 was Augusta, and he did it uh, CJ Cup to start before that, not hitting his irons well at all, relying on the putter. This is the this is the recipe for me to not like not like this guy. It's just it's too reliant on the flat stick. It's really scary. I'm out, but there's your research. Can you talk louder? Uh no, nah, man, I talk a lot. Who are you picking for this week? I guess, I guess Sungjae. What are your thoughts on Wu? I talked about it. Go back a little bit. Is there a group of golfers that live nearby outside of Shane Lowry that you know of that I could share? I'm not even sure what that means. Is there a group of golfers that live nearby? Oh, oh, live nearby this course outside of Shane Lowry. I thought Westwood did, or he had a place there. I'm pretty sure Westwood plays across the street. Um, I mean, it's Florida. All these guys are close, right? It's Palm, it's Palm Beach Gardens. These guys are all there. <clears throat> Hey, Rick, will Kiridat do anything more than blow fat clouds all over the course this week? Probably not. <laughs> That's funny, Nick. Would you leave a thousand plus on the table given the week in field? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned it earlier. I think this is a week we get a really, really low optimal because it's going to be chaos and the, they're dropping like flies at the top. And if if either if either Sungjae or Neiman miss the cut, it is going to be the lineup that wins it is going to be bonkers. Since the March Madness ownership and 538 odds have changed as the week went on, does that spreadsheet adjust too? So this is in regards to my March Madness one. Not automatically. Have they changed drastically? I could just go replug it in. Uh, but if TJ, send me a Slack if they've, cha- if they've changed a lot. If they haven't changed a lot, um, I won't redo it. How do you like Paramount Plus? I love it. Hop on. No, I don't have it, but we, it, it's, it's, they're a partner of CBS sports. So we promoted a lot on the first cut. Uh, it seems fine. It seems like it has a lot of stuff. <clears throat> Advantage question. Do you, I, I answer a lot of these straight up. Who's my prediction? Sung JM. 
I think that makes live stream for the match play bracket reveal next week. That is a good question. Maybe I would love that. Would you burn Sung Jay in this week? I'm in first. Yeah, I'm taking it real safe this week. And if you are in first, you should just play Sung Jay. Okay, good question or good good comment, Greg. Greg mentions so there is a DFS open. So we all played at the DFS open this event last year. We all went down there, or yeah, it was in it was in February or at the end of February or at the end of February, I think. We all went down and we played. Uh, there was a golf outing and there was a charitable part where we were raised a ton of money for the first tee. That there we're not doing it in person this year, but there is a contest on DraftKings that I believe is rake free and half of the prize pool goes to the first tee. Go fill that. It's almost filled. I retweeted it earlier. Check, check it out on my, on my, um, Twitter, uh, check it out. It's a great cause. And a lot of good stuff happens. Why are there only like a hundred? Like Rick, Rick kicks ass. Yeah, I agree. One and done, Sung Jay or Lowry? Sung Jay for me. Hey, Rick, just got here. What's the word on the weather? Go to the start. I, I go through the weather there. Oh, boy. I've answered a lot of these, so we're getting close to the end here. Try to... Oh, okay. Got it. I'm getting, I'm getting explanation now. Varner ownership. Good question. Let's see, because he has grown on me as we've gone over this chat. I've got Varner coming in at, where is he? He's like 70. Okay. Uh, wow. 3.7%. How about that? Man. Um, Matt says, love your content. Thank you very much. My question is a matchup of Steel or Fowler. We can run it. I would be pretty shocked to see Fowler do well here. Uh, I mean, he hasn't played well in a year. That's the time frame I'm going to use. So let's say Fowler over Brendan Steele. I can't believe we've come to this point. Yes, I have Steele winning at 53% of the time. This is uh, this is a, the matchup simulator on, on rickrungood.com. You can plug in any two golfers for any time frame that you want. I have Steele winning at 53% of the time, which obviously isn't a huge amount, but the fact that he is actually a, a favorite over Ricky Fowler is um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, your sports line projections have Denny McCarthy top 10, but not that I don't do sports line projections. The two things I do for sports line are, uh, I do best bets and I do power rankings. Uh, I do not have projections on sports line. My WGC strip play your favorite number for the show. That's pretty funny. Who's a good ball striker. What does that mean? All aren't all pro golfers supposed to be great ball strikers. Jose. No. Go back. There's a video I posted on a strategy Saturday that says, this is why I'm hashtag team no putt. Uh, No, some guys are really good with the driver. Some guys are really good putters. There's a lot of different ways to get it done. They are ball striking is the combination of off the tee. Basically what you do with your driver and approach what you do with your irons and wedges. That would be ball striking. Uh, And no, not everybody is a great ball striker. All right, peeps. I think I'm at the bottom. We're over time. I think I'm at the bottom. So I think I'm going to call it there. But on your way out, do me a favor, hit the like button. Uh, I hope this was fun. Got a little bit of shake up about eight minutes before we went hot. Uh, Joe Idoni and myself, Jock Market Power Hour tonight at 8.15. Join us again. We'll, we'll keep it going. We're rocking and rolling. Best of luck. Honda Classic, it is probably going to be crazy. Enjoy it.